Hi, welcome to issue 17 of the Attention Span newsletter by me, Janan Marashligil. I'm a writer, a literary translator and an artist based in Amsterdam. Every other week I take the time to reflect and offer a glimpse of how I see and feel the world through the lens of culture, art, translation, poetry and literature. This will be the last issue of 2023. I will take a break and will send the next issue on 17 January 2024. Yes, I hear you all sighing already. You say, yeah, Janan, you always uh, share the podcast version quite late, a bit later than the email version. I know I'm going to try to be better at this. I promise I'll do my best. Um, but I'm very happy you're listening. Really, it means a lot to me that you are here. And I'm already going to give you my best wishes for the new year. I wish you all healing, love, health and beauty for the new year. I really hope you can celebrate whichever festivities you believe in, surrounded by your loved ones. And now let's dive into this week's theme. I have entitled this newsletter, Earning a Living, Earning a Life. I started working when I was 13 years old, earning my own pocket money as a babysitter. Legally, I wasn't allowed to work yet. In Belgium, where I grew up, you needed to be 16 before you could be employed as a student. The day I turned 16, I got so excited I could finally work to earn money. And so I started my first summer student job at the hotel where my father worked, in the housekeeping department. I cleaned rooms all of July. I never thought you could learn so much about people without ever seeing them. Now, I never leave a hotel room without tidying it up. From age 16 until I finished university, I spent every weekend and school holiday in hotels. On my way to work at 6 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday mornings, I would encounter students and young people commuting back from home after a night of partying. I did also spend lots of weekends doing the same, only instead of bed, I was heading straight to the shower after a night of dancing, going to work at 7 a.m. and crashing after my 3 p.m. shift on Sunday. I loved working in hotels. I was meeting all sorts of people from around the world, speaking in many different languages. Many clients would tell me their stories. Some I remember, many I have forgotten. But I know they have shaped who I am today, in some way. I remember very clearly that elderly Japanese man who decided to travel the world in his backpack after he retired. I still see him sitting at the bar by the reception. How committed he was to his dream. I wanted to be like him. One of the main reasons why I was working was to afford traveling. I was so obsessed with the idea of going places. I almost had switched jobs as a student to work in a shop at the airport on the side after passport control. I wanted so bad to go to the airport every weekend to look at those planes and feel the excitement of travel. My mother told me something very sensible at that time to dissuade me to leave my hotel job. You're now in a place where people come to you, and that is a comfortable place. Don't go work in a place where you need to go after people 
to sell them something. I did end up working in a hotel by the airport. I'm immensely thankful to have spent all those years working next to my studies. I learned to be independent at a very young age and understood that no matter what happened, I could always land any kind of job. That self-confidence is something I've learned from both my parents, whom I have seen in survival mode all my childhood. During my master's, I started an internship at the Center for Fine Arts in Brussels, Beaux-Arts, for the Turkish festival. Those were the most exciting four months I had. One of my tasks was to take our most well-known pop stars out for shopping. After the internship, I was invited to stay on, and I ended up working there as a press officer for more than three years. Intense years. I was like a sponge. I've learned how to listen to classical music, watched most extraordinary contemporary dance performances, seen exquisite exhibitions, had fabulous encounters with filmmakers, artists, writers. I could write a whole book about just those years. Then I left to come live in Amsterdam, where I worked for another big organization, the British Council, until 2011, when I decided to focus on my own projects. I wanted to translate literature, to write, to make my own art and share it. I didn't want to keep my writing practice next to all the rest. I wanted it to be the heart of everything I was doing. It isn't easy to thrive as a writer, a literary translator, or as an artist in a neoliberal society. The system makes sure that you're in survival mode almost all the time. For more than a decade, I've been a successful uh, full-time freelancer, linking my artistic and writing practice to communications, program making, project managing. It has been a blast to be able to work on a wide variety of projects with so many different people, institutions small and big, niche and mainstream. My student work experience has helped me do this well, and it has been the backbone of my work ethics. I've come to realize that my writing and artistic practice were never truly separate from the more practical, income-generating projects. The myth we've been told is that, as a writer or an artist, you need to fully concentrate on your craft if you want to be quote-unquote successful, whatever that may mean. It shouldn't surprise you that I don't agree with this view, even if for a long time I thought I was chasing that dream. Being able to do nothing else but write, for example. But writing and creating are not happening in a vacuum. I have accepted that separating my artistic practice from the economic reality shaping the world we live in was not realistic. And it was certainly not helping me be the writer I want to be. A lack of stability in not knowing where my next project will come from has, of course, created immense stress, which in turn has impacted not only my mental and physical health, but also my artistic work. I've also started questioning why it was that I was working so hard on creating beautiful things for many people and couldn't get peace of mind when it came to my financial well-being. The system was telling me that all I deserved was precarity, and I believed it. 
I thought about my earlier years when I was working weekend shifts in hotels, then going to class Monday mornings. I wasn't less of a student because I was working. I was more tired, maybe, but I was a student. The same applies for being an artist, but the major shift for me, especially now that I have taken on a new role as an advisor in an organization whose purpose is to support the arts and culture in the Netherlands, has been that working is not just a way to sustain my practice. It is a complete part of how I experience my work as an artist. Part of my vision is to create spaces for makers, artists, writers, literary translators, etc. to tell a, w a wide variety of stories, to enrich their own practices and the narratives we share on societal, historical and cultural topics. This urgency is at the heart of why I write, translate poetry and turn to photography to tell stories. I did not take on a job only for stability, although that is a good enough reason, especially in these difficult times. I did so because I'm in a place in my life where I want to do more for the communities and the people in my fields, within culture and the arts in general, and more specifically within the literary world and those working in literary translation. And by doing so, I'm also evolving as a maker. I get better at my own craft. I hold space for myself in, in, in ways that I did not yet know how to. It's a privilege to be in the position I am in today, yet I do not forget how I got here. And I remember my mother's advice and embrace the privilege of not having to create to sell, but rather be open for new encounters. now a few things to listen, watch, read. Listening, I'm, I'm going back, I've been going back to uh, Desert Island Discs and listening to Ahdaf Swift, uh, an old recording from 2012, uh, but I really love going back to this one. I will link to it in the show notes. And while I was looking at the episodes page, I saw that uh, Marina Abramovic has also recently appeared. I'm going to link to to the page of uh, Desert Island Discs for you in the show notes. To read, I recommend you to read um, uh, Masha Gessen in The New Yorker, their piece, their essay titled In the Shadow of the Holocaust. Oh, how funny now you hear the, <laughs> the sirens outside. I'm not going to edit this out. Um, in the Shadow of the Holocaust, How the Politics of Memory in Europe Obscures What We See in Israel and Gaza Today. And I'll also link to uh, an interview where Gessen explains in uh, Democracy Now! what happened regarding the withdrawal of the Hannah Arendt Prize. Um, they were going to be awarded in Germany for a bit of context about what happened uh, from their own voice. And a film uh, to watch, I've chosen uh, Anselm by Wim Wenders, a beautiful and poetic documentary about artist Anselm Kiefer. Uh, there's also currently an exhibition of uh, his work at the Museum Vorlinde in The Hague, which I can't wait to go see uh, during this holiday period. And I will, of course, link to all this in the show notes for you. And now um, let me describe you uh, the notebook pages I shared on in the newsletter. I'll tell you more about them. 
These notebook pages are from my uh, my 2018 uh, notebook, and it's more like I, I've 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 collaged like uh, tickets and trees to opera and ballet, and I see that uh, one ticket is was to see Angela Davis. Wow, amazing! It was a lecture by Angela Davis. And then there's an opera, and I can't really see what opera it is on the picture, but nice. And then also plenty of uh, tickets to the ancient music festival in Utrecht. That was summer 2018. And next to it, there's a page where I scribbled lots of stuff on. So, yeah, I I miss, you know, tickets, good old printed tickets. I know you're going to say uh, environment, we should print less. But I have a whole box of old uh, tickets, concert tickets, exhibition tickets, which I kept for for more than a decade. And it's actually quite amazing to see. So I'm thinking about doing something with those. And that's, that's all for this issue of the Attention Span newsletter. I'm so thankful you are listening to. And I cannot wait to see you again in the new year after 17th of January. Have a great one. Bye.